0: Tuesday, officially my favorite day of the week. Welcome back to the Seek the Joy podcast. Before I dive into today's episode, I just wanted to wish you all a very happy and healthy and wonderful Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving is such a unique day out of the year in that it's the really the one day that society asks us to be grateful, show gratitude, feel gratitude. And uh, can you imagine a world where we were asked every day to show that level of gratitude and feel that level of gratitude? Can you imagine it? It would be a kinder, calmer, gentler, more forgiving peaceful world. Um, and sign me up for that world because that's the kind of world that I that I want to live in. So I hope that no matter what your plans are, you get to spend the day with those you love and, and who really love you. Okay, so now to dive into today's episode. On the podcast today is Sarah Brunet and she is an immigration lawyer and she went down to LAX when The first travel ban came out by the Trump administration earlier this year and she went down to LAX and she volunteered her time. But more than that, she created Track the Ban, which was a website that really streamlined all of the information for families and travelers and really for anybody who wanted a clearer idea of what the heck was going on. And she has really maintained her promise and dedication to advocating for individuals who have been affected by the travel ban. And she has helped to raise awareness each time a version of that ban has gone into place. Sarah and I actually met in law school. It was so wonderful for me to have this opportunity to get to know her better and really uh, connect with her. And so I hope you enjoy today's episode. We talk about love, kindness, compassion, and the importance of really running on passion and purpose and and not on fear. Today's episode is a good one. I know it's a little long, uh, but I know you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Sydney, for having me.
0: I'd love to start off with just having you introduce yourself. Well, so just
1: like you, I went to law school uh, at Pepperdine. Uh, I'm originally from France, and um, I am 30 years old. I have a nine-year-old son that I had uh, while I was in law school in France. Um, I moved uh, to Los Angeles Um A few years ago. And uh, I've settled uh, in California and I'm enjoying myself here.
0: I love that. So we did meet in law school and I just remember you were always just so kind and so ambitious. So it's so cool for me to see everything that you've done really since we've graduated from law school. So you are an immigration lawyer. And so do you feel like in some ways your own immigration experience sort of inspired you to practice law specializing in immigration or how did you sort of land on that specialty
1: well so what happened is because I already had a law degree from France um, I was able to um, take the bar way sooner than finishing um, law school like any other uh, law student yeah so, uh, as soon as I hit 20 credit hours, I took the bar and I decided, like, I would just see, you know, how it would go. And I actually passed and I wasn't done with law school. So, I knew that I couldn't really get a real, real job, um, you know, and say, telling uh my employer look I'm not free on Tuesdays and Thursdays and uh, by the way during finals like forget about me right so I decided that I would just kind of make the best of this little weird moment and volunteer as much as possible Um, so I looked for volunteering opportunities and uh, being an immigrant myself um, I thought it kind of made sense to start volunteering in the immigration field and um, that's kind of how it started. I mean, I can't say that I had the desire to go into the immigration field prior to volunteering. Um, and I kind of wanted to practice probably like an area of DILA that would be more like consumer protection driven mm-hmm. or insurance Um but it's not what happened. I just fell in love with it. As soon as I volunteered, like on my first day, I made really, really special connections. Um, I remember there was this person that I thought was another volunteer, and he happened to just be an attorney that was stopping by to say hi to some of the managing attorney from um, the legal clinic. And um, I kept asking him questions uh, because I thought he was, you know, there for that purpose. And, um, I realized after a few hours, um, that he wasn't part of the <laughs> clinic <laughs> and I felt really embarrassed, but, um, he, um, he just gave me his card and he said that, um, since I was so passionate, he would be happy to, you know, answer more questions. Oh, and wow. obviously I had many, so, um, I ended up training with him for a few months. Um, Instead of going to the legal clinic, I ended up going to his office two, three times a week for several months and uh, learning a lot with him. And then I graduated from law school and I just decided that I would stay in the immigration field at least for a while. It's not like I had a master plan. It was just kind of one of these things where you're like, well, I guess like... I'm happy. Uh, I'm. I feel like um, I'm serving my purpose,
0: so I'll keep doing this. Yeah. And yeah. So that's kind of how it happened. I mean, I think that's such a cool and interesting story, and I think it also just goes to show how valuable those volunteer experiences are because they have the potential to totally change your direction, but also give you a clearer vision of what you're excited about and. And what kind of work you want to do. So I just think it's so cool how you sort of landed in this field.
1: Yeah, I think volunteering is actually probably one of the most wonderful opportunities. Um, People are willing to train you. And uh, they're willing to also give you some tools to succeed. And give you, um, you know, more responsibilities than you would ever get at a job. Because they know that you're committed to this. And that you're doing this um, with pretty much only noble aspirations. right? Yeah. So I really do feel like volunteering is definitely a, a must whenever you want to get into a field.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Because you're doing it, you know – because you're passionate about it and it inspires you. And so you have your, your own law firm now, which I think is, is so cool. You know, what was that experience like, sort of just starting your own firm? Well, starting my own firm
1: was just like, you know, the way I started volunteering. It wasn't really something that I had planned. Um, I was still training um, with uh, the attorney and I think it was November last year, and um, there was some clients that approached me um, to do um, some legal work for them. And I remember going to the attorney of the law firm, and I was like, hey, look, um, I have these potential clients. Are you interested? And he told me that it was a rather easy case and that I had done it several times, and which was true, and uh, that I should just take them on my own and so I got myself a business license and an insurance and a mailbox and that's kind of how I got in business I mean same thing it was no master plan we're just like okay well I guess I'll just I'll just do that and then I kept you know accepting clients that I could help over time and which grew I just decided that I would just rent a space and I started You know, I just started and you were in business. Yeah. I mean, I had been in business for a while, but I guess I was just like, all right, time to go to Target and buy
0: a bunch of cute little office supplies. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I mean, I just love the fact that, you know, both when you started volunteering and then also when you started your own firm, you you really didn't have a, a big plan or a master plan, as you said. And I think that's such a really interesting point is that I think for so many people, when they're starting a new venture, whether it be a business or a project or whatever it might be, I think we think we need to know everything right away, and we need to, you know, what's going to happen. We need to know what's going to happen next, and well, what do I need to do to prepare? Right. But sometimes in life, it doesn't work that way, and you know, you just sometimes end up just going with something that you feel passionate about and you're excited about, and before you know it, it ends up being your own law firm. And I just think that's such a cool message because. Right. I think so many people get kind of lost in the details of planning and thinking 20 steps ahead but sometimes it's more important to stay where you are in the moment. Right. I actually totally
1: agree. I mean for me I tend to not master plan anything. I feel like uh, life is always throwing a curveball whenever you have these kind of plans so I just decide, oh, to, put the, yeah, I just yeah. decide to put in Yeah. I just decide to put into work, you know, you go and you work and you you dedicate yourself and you find your passion, you find your purpose and you go a hundred percent and then things will work out. Um, I just remember from, from what you said, I think it's very interesting because um, when I was pregnant with my son, I remember telling myself, what is the master plan to raise a child? And then um, I realized it's kind of like an everyday little steps. You just, feed your baby you bathe them you love them and then until the next day and so i feel like it's kind of the same for work you just take care of each day a hundred percent and then it will take you to the next step as long as you you keep making these like a hundred percent you know day type of um yeah mini milestone so I think it's kind of interesting and that's kind of how I yeah, try no, to go in life that. I understand the whole master planning I mean I I love the idea
0: to master plan a uh, you know everything and it just doesn't work <laughs> yeah it's great in theory but not so much in practice but I love what you said too it's about you know small steps that lead you to your bigger goal mm-hmm. but also giving one hundred percent to each of those small steps. I mean, I think I think that's such a great point. And you talked a little bit about, you know, what's your purpose and finding your purpose. And so do you feel like your purpose is really in helping in helping people this way? I mean, what what gets you excited about the work that you do? I
1: think for me, immigration is a field that has so much potential to open doors for people and fulfill their dream and build families. So I think that I have on my purpose. I think it's also a field that is very difficult when things don't turn out um, the right way or when we feel yeah. unfair. Uh, it's actually extremely, extremely difficult to live th- these moments with someone because when you take on a client, I mean, at least for myself, I wouldn't take anybody on that I wouldn't consider my friend. Mm-hmm. So I think when we have a difficult moment, it's it's the two of us. It's my client and myself. And I can't shut off problems, you know, yeah. after 7 p.m. I can't shut off problems on weekends. And I think that for now, it's I've definitely you know, it's definitely my purpose, my mission and my passion. But I don't know if, um, in 30 years, I will still be able to go through these like emotional roller coasters with people. I mean, it's, I mean, it's extremely a lot. draining. Yes. But at the end of the day, I, like when things are difficult, like when some cases are particularly difficult for people, I'm just, I just tell myself, well, at least I care about them. And I'm putting in all this work and I know that, you know, I'm there
0: for them. And so that comforts me when things are difficult for them. Yeah. And I mean, it's a different, listen, the legal field itself is such a difficult field. And then, you know, when you're practicing in an area that especially today in the society we're living in right now is so visible, but also so highly charged. So let's talk a little bit, About, you know, the whole immigration situation right now, you were heavily involved in advocating and helping individuals who got, I guess, for lack of a better word, caught up in the travel ban. And the first one was, it was earlier this year. So maybe talk a little bit about your involvement and and you sort of, in my opinion, at least sort of started a movement and a website and gave people a resource.
1: Well, so... That's also the same thing, it kind of just happened, uh, you know, without any master plan. And part of like some, the reason I went and volunteered during the travel ban and really got involved was because I got notification through some immigration listserv that I'm part of, um, that there was a lot of issues at the airport. So I remember I had some uh, work meetings that Saturday, I guess the travel ban hit on a Friday. And on Saturday, I was driving right by the airport. And I was like, "Well, I mean, at least I'll go check out what happened and you know see if I can help." And then uh, I got there, and it was pure chaos. And there were a lot of um, attorneys and people um, that could interpret. And it, it was just, it was just a a giant disaster.
0: Yeah, to say the least. And-
1: Right. And I don't know, like it really hit me emotionally, but also I just, I don't like things that are disorganized. So for me, right away it was clear that we were lacking organization. And I think there were people on the back end to um, provide legal relief. But there was, you know, it was difficult for the front people to just kind of know what to do and how to process information. And it was just kind of super it was kind of a mess.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And then you were dealing with protesters that were, you know, trying to enter the airport and create chaos and get the attorneys kicked out. And oh <laughs> so my it was gosh. just kind of difficult. But, I mean, that first night was, I would say, the most challenging and then you make connections. Like, I remember I met um, someone that was w- waiting for his friend, and we made connect. Like, we started talking that night, uh, that Saturday night. And then um, that person was um, held for more than 24 hours. So I went and slept for a few hours at my home. And then when I returned the m- next morning, he was still there. And um, I don't know, you just kind of build like special connections. And so it doesn't leave you. I don't know. It's it you definitely it definitely changes you. Yeah. So when this happened, I for me um it was just not about providing like, you know, one-on-one relief because I felt like this was something that could be done by many, but it was also how could we make, you know, information And how could we provide relief on a more general basis? So to me, it was important to tell people what was happening at which airport and um, also help people that were stranded abroad because the issue during the travel ban was a lot of people that were affected could not get on a plane because the airlines are liable for transporting people that won't be admitted to the States. So we only saw so much chaos you know, at the airport in America. But that was, like, a very small fraction of the people that even got a chance to travel. So for me, it was also about, you know, caring for the people that we don't see and not just, you know, the people that make noise or... Right. So, yeah. So I think that's kind of how it started. It was, uh, you know, making sure that everybody's need was met. Probably not, but, you know, at least we thought about everybody.
0: Yeah, so I guess to give people who maybe were or aren't familiar with you know what you created you basically created a website that you know had sort of funneled all of the most important information and gave people an idea of what the current status of the ban was what countries were on that list you know what that meant for travelers and so you really did take a very chaotic situation and sort of I don't know organize it and gave people the most important information and right. I remember I saw you on the news and I sent you a picture <laughs> like, Sarah, oh my gosh, it's you. I mean, it was just so cool to see from an outsider's perspective, sort of your passion come to life. And and you weren't, you know, you were part of a group of lawyers, obviously, who had went down to LAX and were super instrumental in offering, you know, free legal help. And you were making those connections and, and really helping, you know, people during that first initial ban back in January. And then... I'm pretty sure, but you did go back and help as the bands continued to evolve,
1: right? So, what I would say about the website is it wasn't just some kind of, you know, information like the most important information, right. but it was also the recommendation of the day. Where could you travel from? And yeah, where, because it was changing you, so
0: rapidly. I, it was.
1: So the the idea was really to create a green route to tell people, okay. Leave from that airport in Europe and land at that airport in in the States. So that was that was definitely the big thing, and also provide them with some like kind of like legal packet that would shift the liability from the airline who would transport who would dare to transport you, if I could say, yeah. uh, from the airline to the end you know to the end passenger. So so it was kind of like. Giving them some tools to kind of have some leverage to even attempt to travel, so that's kind of what it was. And then, so yeah, I actually volunteered throughout. Um, I was about ten days. I think the TRO was just a week after uh, I started uh, volunteering. Yeah. So for the full travel ban, you know, one yeah. I was there, and then I went back uh, for travel ban two and um but it wasn't it wasn't chaotic i mean there was i would say you know for people to go through different inspection which is what most people that when people were saying that people were detained most of the time they were just going through different inspections so having people go through different inspection which is when you don't pass the first inspection when you try Mm -hmm. to enter United States, and then you're referred to another room. That's something that is ongoing. So when you go and volunteer, and or for like when I volunteered, you know, travel ban too, then that's what you, that's what you encounter. People just going through a different inspection and talking to their family, and why are these people, you know, not coming out? And so, so it wasn't there wasn't really much activity, at least at LAX.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it had to be really hectic, at least during the first, you know, the first travel ban. And I think, you know, you, the information that you provided on the site, you really streamlined the info. And I remember seeing things mm-hmm. just about, I don't know, it was like, these people have the green light, the re- orange light, the red light. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really giving people a really clear cut right. um, explanation of what was going on. Because I think for so many of us, especially those of us who are unfamiliar with Um, immigration practices and and what's involved in in legally, you know, coming to another country or in this case, you know, coming to the United States. For so many of us, it was a real education in sort of what's what's involved. So to have such a resource, you know, as Track the Ban and what you created, I mean, I imagine it must have really impacted a lot of families. And so when you were at the airport, when you were at LAX, I mean, what was that sort of exchange like with families did you feel like okay like I'm really here and I'm doing the right thing did it sort of reignite you know your purpose for what you do
1: the purpose kind of came as you know as I went there Uh, for me same thing I just don't have a master plan I just see a need and I'm like okay I see the final product now it's going to be about execution how do we provide you know general relief when we know that I only, I, you know, I see people in need and I know that there are more people in need. So, I mean, meeting people at the airport, I can't say was fueling me anymore because I just was already kind of fully conscious that there was a need. And what I would say about volunteering and meeting people, um, is that it gives you a different perspective in life and it gives you a different perspective about, um, you know, what is it that you want to do when you grow up, you realize that, especially, you know, you could just spend, you know, your day sitting behind a desk, getting your paycheck and pretty much having no more interaction with the world and just kind of like being in your bubble, you know, and feeling maybe fulfilled. But I think when you when you realize that there's so much more to um, to attend uh, in the world, then it just becomes really difficult yeah. to just accept like a grown-up job.
0: No, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I understand that completely. I think your point about perspective is so spot on. I think the more you're out in the world and you experience different things and different people in different situations, it it helps to provide you with a different perspective and you can really I don't know, in some ways, I think it gives you a different perspective on your own life, but also on what other people are going through. And then the other point you made about, you know, wanting to do more than just sit behind a desk. And I relate to that so much in the sense that I went to law school because I wanted to do something and make a difference. And over time, my goals and what I felt aligned with my purpose really dramatically shifted. I went from thinking I was going to work at the... District Attorney's office to deciding. Oh my gosh, it's climate change and the environment, and really wanting to change. You know, the future of our entire planet, and that's really what I'm really strongly passionate about. But I don't want to just sit behind a desk. You know, I don't want to just you know be the person who's behind the desk and has no interaction with the real world. and And I think that's just such a good point because once you are you're out there and you're really doing and you're involved. I think it makes sitting behind the desk, like you said, even harder. And so it's about knowing, you know, what excites you and then continuing to do more of that.
1: Right. I feel like, for instance, I am like, I'm so excited for you to see that, like, you're putting yourself out there and you're making a difference. And like, just for instance, like you're, you're doing podcasts and all these things, because I know that, um, of all the people we know, there's probably 80% of people that want to do more, yeah. but there's just this small fraction that is going to decide. All right, I'm going to go and do more. And um, one thing that I think is wonderful in life is if you really take that extra, you know, step, it takes you so far. You can do 100% of the job, and you know, it will pay off like it should. But if you do 105, you maximize your time investment. Yeah. So much more, much more than just the extra 5% that you put in. And like for me to see people like you that are willing to just go do their job, but to put in that 5%, 10%, whatever you're willing to put on, then I know that you are in fact changing the world and that you're in fact really impacting people because there are so few that are going to take that leadership role Mm. and decide to push themselves a little further.
0: Yeah. Well, Well, thank you. That's such a compliment. I mean, I think what you said is so true is that I think so many of us want to do more, but I think there are so many things that stop us and whether it's fear or you're just overwhelmed with your own schedule or whatever it might be, you know, that stops people. It really is about taking that extra step in deciding, you know, I want to do more and that I can do more. And I think the more of us who sort of take those steps outside of, you know, our own boxes that we've created for ourselves, like you said, I mean, the more people who have the possibility and the opportunity to really do things to change the world. And that's why I was so excited to talk to you for this podcast, because I mean, of course, you have your day to day career, but you really went above and beyond and took that extra step and you know made sure that you yes you were volunteering but you were volunteering and doing something that really had an impact and I can't tell you how many people I had talked to who said oh I would love to go down to LAX but I just don't have the time but it's about making those decisions about you know what what things you want to make the time for and I think that's so important too right absolutely yeah
1: I actually do feel like it's not about having time it's about shifting priorities. Yes. I think that do I have the time to do anything? No, I don't. I really <laughs> I mean I don't, but um my priority in life is to make sure that I do put in that extra time to to push myself um to invest in what I care about, which means, you know, being personally involved in causes that I, that I care about. And that's not to just impact people, but that's to fulfill myself.
0: Um,
1: and my sense of, um, who I want to be. Do I want to walk, um, in my shoes 10 years from now, just going through, you know, my daily life without, ever putting an extra effort no I don't and so I'll just you know I'll just have to sleep less um eat a little bit more chips (laughs) and, and um you know I mean nothing is ideal and it's all about priorities and I've decided to prioritize this area of my life I mean to some people that might not work I think at the end of the day it's finding the right balance yeah um And I love running on this, you know, emotional adrenaline of feeling like, you know, these people need me
0: and I can give them something that they need. Everything you just said, I agree with and is just so spot on. It's, you know, about fulfilling yourself and filling yourself up and doing things that you're passionate about. And yeah, I mean, you want to be able to look back 10 years from now and say, did I do everything that... I could or that I was passionate about or that would help me feel fulfilled and, and help me stay aligned with my purpose. And I just think all of that is is just is just so important. And I love your comment about running on emotional adrenaline because I feel that way too. It's it's once you get started and you sort of start building that momentum for yourself in whatever it might be in your life that you're passionate about. Once you start Embarking on that journey, you sort of get a high from it. It's it, mm-hmm. it. You sort of, I can't describe it, but I think you know what I'm talking about. It's absolutely this energy that runs through your body, and you know you're doing the right thing, and and you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you you crave that feeling, and you want to keep doing more, and that's what I think is so special about being alive right now and being part of. You know, the dynamic on the planet is that so many of us have the opportunity to step into that feeling. And it's just a matter, it's just about finding it. And I think, I just love what you said. I just think it's so spot on.
1: Right. And I also, you know, at some moments of my life, like I come at a crossroad and I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Because obviously, whenever you put yourself out there, you also run the risk of hurting yourself or yes. hurting your others, whatever that might mean. Um, And I just remember one day I was just kind of contemplating um, this and I told myself, I want to be running on passion and not on fear. So even if something might, you know, I mean, I obviously take risks into consideration, but, you know, if at the end of the day it's okay to take the risk because I was running on passion and I was running on purpose. I'm willing to take some risks. So for me, I rather put myself out there, uh, do a few things that I might regret. I mean, not too bad, hopefully, but, you know, (laughs) I mean, put myself out there. Maybe I'll write some articles that in five years I will love, or maybe I'll just, you know, say something to a media outlet that maybe it wasn't the best thing I could have said for myself, but i rather just put myself out there and make sure that uh, at the end of the day, I was running on passion and I wasn't
0: trying to suppress who I am because I'm worried of repercussions. So I just love everything you just said, because it's almost as if you took the words out of my mouth, running on passion and purpose and not fear and, and not suppressing who you really are, because I think in life you have to take risks. If not, you're living sort of in a controlled bubble. And if anything, you're not going to feel fulfilled and you're not going to be enjoying your life. And with taking those risks, you know, there's a lot of lessons that you learn. I mean, if you don't step outside of your comfort zone, there is no opportunity for growth. And if you don't take those risks, you may never know that, you know, oh gosh, I shouldn't say that again to the press in the future. Or, you know, okay, maybe I need to not. You know, take that course again next time. I think you learn so much. And mm-hmm. what you said about any time you sort of put yourself out there, you do run the risk of, you know, you never know what you're going to face, either rejection mm-hmm. or acceptance or, you know, support or, you know, people who are like, oh, no, I don't want to be a part of this. I mean, every anytime you put yourself out there, you do run sort, sort of any kind of risk of, like you said, hurting yourself or or hurting others. And not to say it would be something super catastrophic, but even on a smaller scale, I mean, every action comes with, you know, some sort of repercussion, whether it's right, it's positive or negative and. I, I think what you said is just so, it's just so spot on. So, you know, talking about taking risks and really putting yourself out there, how, how do you stay true to yourself, you know, amidst doing all of that? I try
1: not to compromise on um, what, you know, like my moral and yeah. I try to also not compromise on my intuition because something can, you know, look all good, but when I just don't feel mm-hmm. something. Yeah you know, I just don't go for it. Um, That's kind of how I try to stay true to myself. Um, One thing is also to be humble. Um, I've done nothing. I know nothing. And I'm here to learn. And um, I think that to me, it's important to realize if you're humble, you're always going to, um, to get more from a situation.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. The more you come from a space of humility and and being humble, I think it gives you more room and more space to, to really learn. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can have all the education in the world, or you can have all of the money in the world or all of the connections in the world, but that doesn't mean anything because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're all still learning. And I think that's so important. And what you said about trusting your intuition, I think, yeah, when something doesn't feel right, it's important to to really take a look at that and you know decide how you're going to act based on how something feels for you. I think so many people just sort of act, um, not recklessly, but they just act without even thinking and then oftentimes, you know, it doesn't always have the best results. So relying on your intuition is so important.
1: Yeah, we rarely uh, regret listening to our intuition. (laughs) So it's
0: so true. Do you feel like the emphasis on remaining humble in your life? Do you think that's really in part what helps you stay so grounded?
1: I think I'm not sure I'm the most grounded person. I probably don't have the best, uh, you know, balance in life. Uh, (laughs) I'm also learning about you know, how can I how can I be grounded? How can I also not lose perspective of not only who I am but the person I want to be? You know, for instance I tend to wanna make myself very available to people. I make them feel like they're the only one in my world. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, sometimes I also come back from it and I'm realizing I'm like this doesn't fully work all the time. Yeah. And while, you know, in a state of emergency Sure, you are the only person in the whole world. I will take care of you. But you know, on a day to day basis, you know, when people text you at five o'clock in the morning expecting you to respond and it's Sunday and they want a three way call with, you know, these are things that are not um, sustainable. Mm -hmm. Because while I could do it, I mean, should I do it in the long run or should I do it even short term? Because I might not. You know, I might not be fully there. I might actually need a mental break to do my job properly. And I think it's important for me to, in order to stay grounded, um, to learn to say no to some situations where, you know, the need is not as high of a priority as other things. Mm -hmm. And I need to also understand there's a hierarchy of things that I need to attend like we're, you know, there are priorities. And I think for me, like usually when people just need me, I tend to not, you know, not really prioritize and just give. Mm-hmm. But I can't
0: give if I don't have anything to give anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, it's so important, you know, that balance and also, you know, figuring out for yourself what needs to be the priority. The truth of the matter is, is exactly what you said. You can't give to others if you're not filled up yourself and so it's about finding that balance and also learning I think for yourself learning for yourself that balance but also learning sort of what helps you to fill yourself up so that you can give to others so are there certain things that you do to sort of help yourself get to that space where you do feel more you know filled up and and able to give
1: well yes so I mean my energy comes from people and comes from situations that were you know fulfilling um at work but it also comes from you know interacting with my family my friends going out for a drink but sometimes I actually just need my quiet space and um even if I'm pretty outgoing I actually really need to be alone a lot so for me working out is a big thing um I don't do it as much as I want to. Yeah. Um, You and me both. But but I try to go at least twice a week because it is my, it is, it feels like a vacation. You know, I, I'm just, you know, I don't think for an hour. um, And then I end up feeling really good. And then another thing that uh, when I really tap out, um, I'll go and just read books. And it's something that I do very rarely. Uh, But for instance, after the travel ban, I had two weeks where I went home at my mom's and I told my mom, like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to interact with anybody. I didn't call my friends. I didn't really see anybody. And I just read books for two weeks straight in pure silence. And that really actually recharges my battery to just kind of you know, be on my own and, and yeah, just enjoy myself.
0: Yeah, that time alone is so important.
1: And it's hard to find it. Really it. Is. And it, it can feel really like it feels very selfish when you tell people like, I'm sorry, I
0: need to be alone. It, it feels it's so hard to say, right? Sometimes those moments in, in silence are just so important. I love that you spent two weeks and just read and didn't talk to anybody. I mean, that's goals. Like people would <laughs> love to be able to do that. I think that's so amazing. I do have to say that if putting myself out out there
1: has given me something is it has like given me the opportunity to meet some of the best people um people that you know whose goals are aligned with mine but also whose heart and um integrity I just kind of like look up to them like just like you you know you put yourself out there you have a high level of integrity and you're a smart woman and you really care about people and so I would have probably never met these people or I would have never realized because they would have never reached out yeah uh, to me and so I think if there is one thing uh, from also putting yourself out there is like you may lose some people people in your circle that don't understand who you are or who you're you know you're you're trying to become, Mm -hmm. but you're going to gain so much with people that will love you and that don't care if you don't call them for six months. (laughs) It's so
0: um, true. Yeah, it's so true. It's so interesting is the, the more you step into being who you really are And, you know, doing what you care about and taking care of yourself. It's sort of interesting to see the people who sort of fall away sort of naturally. And Mm -hmm. the the people who sort of make their way into their lives. I'm a big believer in that, you know, as you sort of shed your your skin and evolve and as we change and we adapt, you know, the people in our lives who are meant to be there will still be there. And then the people who you don't align with anymore and, you know, just... things change and and those people sort of fall away but it opens up the space for other people to come into your life that maybe wouldn't have been given the Uh opportunity to enter your life if you didn't put yourself out there or if you didn't have additional, you know, new life experiences and really learn from them. And I listen, if you and I both didn't make the decision to go to law school at Pepperdine in Malibu, I mean, we would have never met. And so, you know, know, and I just think it's amazing who you can meet and, you know, what your life can evolve into the more you take risks and the more you put yourself out there. And it's just such a testament to... How important it is to just be who you are, and the right, right people will be there. And I just, I'm such a firm believer in that.
1: Right, and so you, you don't have to fear losing people. You just, you know, you, you can run on passion and just wait for the right people to come in because they are absolutely, you know, there. Yeah. You will find these people that you. Probably some of the best people, people that you can actually really rely on. And uh, but also it there is no need to expect too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one so thing. True too. You know, you just kinda take it as it goes and expect very little and then as usually you get a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm I'm a big believer in give give as much as you want to give, but but give without expectation. So for someone who is listening to this podcast and Uh, you know, really wants to make a difference and use their passion and maybe it's their education, the way that you have to really make a difference in this world, what would be your biggest piece of advice? I would
1: say seize opportunities. Um, Same thing, you don't need a master plan. I always tell people like, you don't have to uh, even find like a nonprofit to go volunteer. There are so many opportunities to make small changes don't wait or actually don't even look for some any kind of recognition. Just do what you can. Don't turn your head when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. And that's that would be my biggest thing. It's don't master plan anything, but when someone needs you
0: and you know you can do this, just just do it. Yeah, I love it. Just do it. And, and look for the areas where you can make those small changes. I think so many people get, hung up on whether or not they're going to be able to make the the big grand difference you know and the truth is is look for the small things and the areas that maybe are underserved or you know need our attention and need our support well it's like
1: one one big thing is like to me I don't understand why people you know go to the gym and you see like all these like tough guy going to the grocery store (laughs) and with like big muscles and then they see like this poor little little frail la- lady trying to put stuff in her car and we are just right next to her and we are not doing anything what is so that about right and it's always the same thing like they've we've, we've built their big muscles for what purpose so if you go to law school and you have all this knowledge and then you see this person that could you could maybe help even if it's not fully legal, but at least you have some kind of background education on how to really grasp, you know, some kind of concept, totally. then put it, you know, put it to work. And if you go to law school and also go work out, then put
0: both to work. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know? yes. Oh, I'm so on board with this. I think you're so right. It's, It's don't put your qualities and the parts about you that make you the best about who you are you know whether it's your strength or your intelligence or your kindness or your compassion don't don't put it to waste you know right keep your
1: eyes open for opportunities to help like even if it's not that convenient but it might take you 20 extra second in your walk to your car but you've made such a big difference oh, that totally
0: I mean yeah my grandparents are well, two of them are 90 and 87, and and I'm happy to do it, but with helping them, you know, at the market with their groceries. And it's amazing the people, I'll go and pick them up sometimes, and it's amazing the people who just watch this 90-year-old man, you know, trying to you know, get his groceries together and and nobody offers to help. And so it's so, it's always so shocking to me, but it always pushes me to want to be that person and to make sure that I'm that person. And I think you are definitely that person with everything that you've done and, and that I know you will continue to do. Well, I hope because then I would really hate myself. And I also hope that
1: one big thing is not that I don't change, but that I keep my eyes opened, you know, that I don't become so focused on myself that I don't see others, like, needing me.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, it's keeping your eyes open and, and you know, being there for those who, who need you, whether it's family, friends, clients, you know. People that I don't know. People that you don't yeah. know. Strangers at LAX. I mean, it's so important to just make sure that you know it's important to focus on yourself, but also to focus on the bigger picture and what's really where the needs are. So I'm gonna ask you the question I ask every person that comes on my podcast: What is your biggest dream?
1: I don't know. I'm not sure. I I have one. I think uh, to not regret anything, and I can look back at my life. I can I can say I didn't regret anything.
0: Not to live your life with any regrets to just continue to ride that wave of passion and purpose and not live with regrets you know i feel like we're giving so much time
1: in life and it's our opportunity to invest it in making not just making a difference but giving people um just making the world sustainable yeah i don't think we have to change everything but we can make it in a way where we're more sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping that that, that will be,
0: that's a huge goal of mine. I mean, I know my website, <laughs> my website is sustainable. Sydney.org. I'm plugging myself. So yeah, I'm right there with you. It's so important. And we want to make sure we have a planet and an earth and an ecosystem and an, an environment and country in a world that's that's here for future generations and we've got to make our lives more sustainable in every aspect right. and it's just i'm right there with you 100 percent yeah
1: giving giving a little bit more than i get that's probably that was my biggest dream yeah
0: If anyone wants to find more information about you and the work that you're doing, where's the best place to find you?
1: So I do have a website, which is my last name, Brunet, B-R-U-N-E-T immigration.com. And I'm also the co-chair for the immigration uh, committee for the American Bar Association in the Young Lawyer Division. So if you look up for some uh, ABA kind of a news um i might be putting out uh, some articles
0: well sarah i love
1: this conversation
0: Thank you. this was Me too. so insightful and i'm just so thankful that you were able to come on the podcast and you know hearing more about your work and how you got involved with everything that was going on this year with uh, the new administration and the travel bans and and I know you're making a real impact and so I just appreciate you so much coming on and talking about it thank you thank you so much